Welcome back to the Two Fish Podcast. My name is Nick. I'm Aaron. And this week we're back in Second Peter and we're talking all about false prophets and teachers. That's right. Join us in Second Peter chapter 2. We are going to be diving into false teachers and what that looked like back then. And does it still exist today? Yeah, this is actually a little bit longer one. Hopefully we'll be able to get through it all. Um, take a time, pause this, go to your Bibles and read it. We're going to try to cram this in a little quicker this week. So we're just going to start right away into our verse-by-verse study here uh, with verse the first section here. Let's just read as we go. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false prophets among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies even denying the Son of Man who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from among long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. So there's that first section here. Um, False prophets always have been and are even still today. Peter says here. Yeah, I think uh, it's definitely something that still exists. And I think you can look at the division of church over the, the centuries of usually when you see a church divide, it's over doctrine and what they believe it's saying versus what the other person thinks it's saying, right? And that can point to a false teacher and a division and a split of it due to that. Um, it can also point to a misinterpretation of what the word's actually trying to say or how nowadays we're trying to interpret it or soften the word, and maybe we're trying to be more accepting of sins, and the church doesn't agree with that, so somebody in the church splits off and goes and starts their own, right? Or you can have a YouTube video out there that starts talking about um, divine counsels and all kinds of things that you, you just can't line up with in scripture you can't find them in the bible but it's kind of squeezing these these new philosophies into the word you can look at jesus when he was tempted by the devil they took the word they he twisted it um but god called or jesus called him out on it right like no that is that is not what it is yeah and i think the key word here in this first section is who uh verse one false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. So kind of like what you're talking about, what Satan did with Jesus when he was fasting, Satan used scripture. He just kind of tweaked it a little bit. So there was a lot of truth in what he said, except that Jesus knew the scripture. Jesus knew God's word. And he said, no, you're saying this, but this is actually what it says. And he corrected him. Uh, in Matthew seven fifteen, Jesus says, "Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves." So, I mean, there Jesus is saying this again, and here in our scripture today, Peter's reiterating this: is they're going to come in secretly. These wolves know that if they walk in with the sheep, everyone knows, hey, there's a wolf. But instead, what he needs to do, if he wants to tear apart from within, let's say, and look at the church. If he wants to get into the church and tear it apart, he needs to look like the church. He needs to act like the church. And then he needs to slowly pick one or two off at a time, secretly throwing in this doctrine. You talk about a YouTube video. Aaron and I just actually watched a YouTube video with my wife, 
because she brought it to us and said, uh, tell me what you think about this. And it was way off the charts. My discernment cap was like bouncing and trying to explode off my head. And that was like tw- 21 seconds into the video. Yeah, 21 seconds in, you made a face like, huh? And I'm like, yeah, it's from scripture, but they just twist it. And I think that's the, also the important thing of understanding that we need to keep our opinions out of the context of scripture. There's a lot of times when we're reading scripture that we think, man, that doesn't seem like a loving God there. I, my God wouldn't do that, but God is bigger than us and he sees things differently than us. And sometimes it's something that we think is mean. God's saying, no, I'm doing this because I love you. It's like a parent punishing their child. The child says, you don't love me. No, I do love you. I need to correct this in you so that you become a better person because I love you. And that's the same thing. When we look at scripture, we need to not put our own opinions in it and we have to be able to discern. So second Peter here, chapter two, what Peter's saying is they're going to be secretly within the church and we need to be able to pick that out. Verse two, many will follow their sensuality. Now that doesn't necessarily mean sexual. It just means like the senses. They're going to preach a gospel, let's say, that feels good. Just because it feels good doesn't mean it's truth. Just because it feels good doesn't mean it's good for us. Right. I like in uh, verse three here, mine starts off, in their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money. You should be able to pick up on these people because their motives are wrong. Yeah. When you start talking to them and you start figuring out who they are and your discernment's kicking in, if their motives are to be boastful, to be greedy, uh, to uh, be self-promoting, which I guess I guess that's boastful, yeah, um, selfish, selfish, yeah, then it's probably on the false teaching side. Yeah, they're they're not lining up with what God wants them to teach because God doesn't want you to be boastful; He wants you to grow His kingdom, but not for your sake, for His sake. And if this person teaching is putting themselves up on the pedestal, uh, that's something you really need to look at and try and decipher what's actually going on here. Yeah, God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. He tells us to serve. He tells us to help others, but not for our own glory, but for God's glory. If you see a preacher standing up there and it's all about them, like you were just saying, it's it's probably not a correct gospel. Now, they might preach a lot of truth. But mixed within there, there, there's going to be things that pull us away from Christ and the actual true gospel. So here's my thing when I think about, and I've always kind of thought about this, is do all false prophets know that they're false prophets? Oh, I think that's a that's a rabbit hole. Yeah. So it's another one of those, like we call rabbit holes, right? I would speculate that there's people out there that are, they think they're teaching God's way and they're not. Mm-hmm. But are they purposely going out and trying to deceive people? I think there are plenty of people that think they're doing good, but that they're actually not preaching scripture. And this is the important thing for us as we discern these things, especially in the local church, do your, do a little research, but then maybe go to that pastor or go to someone on your elder board and say, Hey, you know what? He said this, and I'm really questioning this because it's not really lining up with scripture here. And a not false prophet, maybe someone that did accidentally go off on a tangent that wasn't necessarily biblical, 
should be able to see that, realize, and repent of that error. And I think that's where you get the difference between someone that's untouchable and you can't correct, and then someone that says, oh my gosh, that's not the context that I meant that in. I can see how you took that wrong. I made a mistake. That's not true. I don't want to lead people away. I need to correct and ask for forgiveness for that. And I think that's where you're going to get the difference in those people. But that requires us to be knowledgeable in scripture and to be able to wear our discernment cap and say, ah, something doesn't smell right there. Let me just double check that against scripture. Oh, I like how you said, it. you know, go to your elders board, go to them, question it. And then they, they should question the preacher, or whoever taught the message and what, where were you trying to go? What were you, Yeah. what were you saying? How, and then they should get back to you. If, yeah. And if they don't, you should probably go question them again. Yeah. And now when I, let me just clarify what I'm saying here. I'm not saying go to your elders board and say the music's too loud or the smoke machines are too smoky or. I don't like the song selection. This is biblical teaching that you felt like yes. doesn't line up with what scripture, but you need to go to that well prepared with this is what he said and you need to have exactly what he said. Yeah. And then you need to have the scripture you're pointing to and probably another scripture that points to the same subject. The I actual, recently yeah. saw a picture I'm going to find this picture because somebody just showed it to me, but I got to find it. And it displayed like a a line between how many things are like quoted back and forth in the scripture. And it's just like this huge bubble of lines going back and forth. It's almost blurry and looks like a, a solid half circle going back and forth in between the scriptures. So if you have one scripture, there's likely another scripture oh it's like the correction reference the ref oh okay how many times things are referenced back and forth in the i like in the scriptures yeah we'll put that on facebook when we find it so be looking for that go to the two fish podcast on facebook going back to the text here then the last part of verse three their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep which mine reads in their destruction is on the way so which is a better i like that better don't worry Judgment is coming for them. Right. And then verse four goes, dives into that a little further. For God did not spare even the angels when they sinned. He threw them into hell in gloomy claves and darkness until the judgment day. So he's not going to spare these false teachers. Yeah. Well, we can keep going now because obviously this all flows together. He gives a couple examples from the Old Testament. Verse five, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah a herald of righteousness with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. So there's the example is all those that had turned away from God, they're going to have judgment. And ultimately they did get judgment because God destroyed the world with a flood and he only saved Noah and his family because they were righteous. Continue. If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ash, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And at that same time, God rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a good man who was sick of all the immorality and wickedness around him. So there again, he rescued somebody just like he rescued Noah and his family. Yeah, There will be some that are rescued if we get back to the state of where these cities were and where the 
ancient world was that Noah was living in. I think what Peter, in my mind, is trying to say here is he's saying, be careful. These false teachers are among you, and they're going to pull you away. They're going to pull you away from my flock, or they're going to try to, and you need to be careful. And only Noah was righteous. It says Lot was righteous. Verse 8, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over the lawless deeds that he saw and heard. So he stayed righteous, and he was tormented himself. He was tormenting. He was upset all the sin around him because of false prophets and because of sinful nature. They were pulling people away from him. And what did God do? God said, enough, I'm destroying it. And he saved the righteous. So I think that's what Peter's saying here, back up to the top again with false prophets living among us, trying to pull us away. We need to be careful not to follow them. We need to be careful to stay righteous. I think we can go, let's go a little Back up again even further in chapter one, we talked about the prophetic. It never comes from man's own will, but always from God. We need to be careful that we're not getting drawn away into something weird or something ungodly by, let's be honest, probably a false prophet now we know. And we need to make sure that we're staying true to what God has for us. In verse nine, Peter Peter goes on to tell us that the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials. I have a note at the bottom here says tempt or temptations. He knows how to rescue us from them. He's given us a way out of those temptations. And, and those Noah is a great example of that. And lot is an example of that. And those would be probably in the, the extreme situations as I was kind of pointing to if our society gets back to this. Hopefully there's one one godly man left, right? You say if our society gets back to this. <laughs> if, it, if it gets back to as bad as what it, it was, yeah. which, I, I mean, is not fantastic. I was not now. there at Sodom and Gomorrah, but I got to feel like it couldn't have been too far off of where we are in society now, which is scary. It is. But luckily, verse 9 tells us, Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while punishing the wicked right up until the day of judgment. Yeah. So there's hope for us. That is, that is the hope uh, that we all should have, and and hopefully we qualify as godly people. So moving on in the text here, the second half of verse 10 says, Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are arrogant, will also be destroyed in their destruction. So I think what he's saying here is he's giving another, us another example of a false teacher or what maybe they would look like. They do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious one. So they're going to preach things or they're going to say things that blaspheme God, and they're going to give excuse about it. Or they're going to have no conscience that says, oh, man, you know what? I shouldn't have said that. Kind of like we talked about earlier, having that repentant heart to go back and say, I made a mistake. I was wrong about that. These people are going to say, no, 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 no. And they're going to excuse it away from Scripture. Verse 12 dives into this verse 12 and 13 here. These false teachers are like unthinking animals, creatures of instinct who are born to be caught and killed. They laugh at the terrifying powers they know so little about, and they will be destroyed along with them. 
Their destruction is their reward for the harm they have done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures and broad daylight. They are a disgrace and a stain among you. They revel in deceitfulness while they feast with you. These are just purely evil people. They're not godly people. They're they're not looking out for your best interest, um, especially as being a Christian. It's almost the complete opposite of it, but they are they're sneaky. It's going to take some discernment to, to figure this out, but it's going to drag you down a very dark hole, ultimately send you to hell. Yeah. I, I think a lot of times we don't see it until it's too late. Like you can look at scandals that have happened in the church, even modern day churches. I won't name any by names, but there are several churches who their leaders have fallen into sin. And you look at that and you're like, oh my gosh, how could they do that? If you look back at some point, we could probably pick out, oh man, you know what? There was a lot of pride in that moment. There was a lot of greed in that moment. And it slowly, they they slowly walked away and they're drawing their congregations with them until at some point when, of course, it all comes out, oh my gosh, this pastor or this leader seems to have been actually some kind of false prophet here or trying to pull us away from actual truth and isn't even preaching the truth anymore, but we're already been pulled away. I think Peter's saying you need, he keeps giving examples here of what these people will look like or what their deeds are. Yeah. Verse 14 uh, speaks to the deeds. They commit adultery with their eyes and their lust is never satisfied. They make a game of luring unstable people into sin. They train themselves to be greedy they are doomed and cursed. Those are their deeds. Yeah. They're going to have lustful eyes. They're going to be greedy and they're going to prey on the weak. If if this is the leader of your congregation or the leader of your small group or the leader of something you're involved in, you probably need to think about where you're at and what you're doing. And whether you think that's your leader or not, right out of the gate, maybe stop and just look at your pastor or look at your leader of whatever group it is, and just make sure, just take a step back and look at this person and say, okay, let me just make sure that I am following. And for all accounts, hopefully you are. Hopefully your pastor is a good Bible preaching pastor and your church is a stand up and they're not trying to take advantage of your money or your time or whatever it is. And hopefully that's the case, but look for red flags and look for places that okay, we haven't gotten too far here. We can correct this before the congregation starts getting pulled away from the truth. Moving on to verse 15, more examples here. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. So this is another example from the Old Testament of a prophet of God who realized what he had and used it for gain. Hey, pay me some money and I'll prophesy a blessing over you. And eventually an enemy of Israel saw this and said, hey, we could use this. We could use Balaam here to curse Israel and then we'll be able to defeat him. And if you read the story, God actually literally uses a donkey to speak to Balaam and say, hey, you fool. You're doing wrong, but it shouldn't take, here's the thing. It shouldn't take a donkey with the voice of a human to correct him 
in my mind, nowadays, we should all be able to discern, hey, something doesn't sound right. Let's talk about that and not let it get to a point where God's got to use an animal with a human's voice to get to this guy. That would be a true example of speaking in tongues. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That is good. I like that. As we we dive into kind of, I'll, I'll call this the conclusion of Second uh, Peter chapter two, uh, verse seventeen through twenty two. Uh, we're going to read through here and uh, go back and talk about a couple of verses here. These people are as useless as dried up springs of water, or as clouds blown away by the wind, promising much and delivering nothing. They are doomed to blackest darkness. They brag about themselves with empty, foolish bo- boasting, with lustful desires and their bait. They lure back into sin those who have just escaped from such wicked living. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves to sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. Verse 20, for after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled to them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first, for it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit. And the sow, after washing herself, returns to the wallow in the mire. That's some pretty convicting stuff in there. Uh, verse 19, they promised freedom, but they themselves are slaves to sin and corruption. Yeah, I that that word freedom, and I'm glad your translation used it too. That, that word freedom is also used, I think it's in James. We did a study on James. And he says, hey, just because we have freedom in Christ doesn't mean we should abuse that freedom. doesn't mean we need to use that freedom. For example, we have the freedom to drink alcohol. It seems like scripture in scripture, Jesus drank alcohol. We have that freedom. We can do that. But are we abusing it? Should we not? Does it put us in a place where we turn towards sin? And so that, that word freedom there, they promise them freedom. So they're looking at their group, they're looking at their congregation, they're looking at their even small group, and they're saying, guys, we can do this because we have freedom in Christ. But then they themselves, maybe behind closed doors, are enslaved to that same sin, again, drinking. Guys, we can go have a beer with dinner. Absolutely. But then when they go home, they have eight more because they struggle with alcoholism. And they're leading people saying, you have the freedom to do all these things, but they're slaves themselves to these things. And I think that's why I love James because it's so practical saying just because we have the freedoms doesn't necessarily mean we need to indulge in those freedoms or we need to live out those freedoms because sometimes those freedoms can turn bad real quickly. I think verse 20 and 21 pound that point in even more, Nick, that you're making. I've caught myself in this and luckily I think I dragged myself out long before what verse 20 and 21 are talking about here. But, and when people escape from the wicked ways of the world by learning about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get tangled up with sin and become its slave again, they are worse off than before. It would be better if they had never known the right way to live than to know it and then reject 
the holy commandments that were given to them. To me, that sounds like somebody that has an unrepentive heart. Mm. That sounds like somebody that has been introduced to the idea of, uh, of Christ and they go back to that drinking, right? And they just know drinking, Jesus drank in the Bible so I can drink. But the Bible tells you not to be a drunkard, right? Yeah. But they're just excusing that portion of scripture. Um, same thing, like this chapter talked a lot about l- lustful eyes. The same kind of thing. Uh, if you have lustful eyes, but you don't have a repentive heart with that, you're going to be worse off. The other thing, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about this whole chapter, right? Like, there's a point where Jesus walks in, like, we just had a holy week, and he walked into the temple and he started flipping tables and yelling at people. And I think I can picture that in this section of what Peter is warning us against. Is your church being greedy? Are they selling a product and not selling the Bible? Are they selling a worship but not selling scripture? Is your church in a whole being greedy? Is Christianity, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah. Maybe we need to check ourselves. Are we in this for the right reason? Will you go to church if it's not a building? Will you have a small group if it's cold and windy and rainy and stormy and there's not a nice, comfortable building for you to sit in? Or are you a comfortable Christian? Are you looking for comfort? Yeah, and and I think that's where we're going to eventually find the difference between true believers, I say believers, let's maybe we quote unquote it, believers that are there, fair weather believers, when, but when trials come, they're going to say, hey, I'm out. We talked about that when we talked about the sower planting the seed in Jesus's parable. It's going to grow, but the weeds and thorns are going to quickly take over. As soon as trials start, they're like, hey, I'm out of here. This is not what I signed up for. I think that's when we're going to find them. I love what you said there, though. Is, are we selling a product? Are we selling a worship service? Or are we selling scripture? Are we selling God? I love that. And, and I've said this maybe as a critique of some pastors that I've heard is the most important thing you're going to say in this whole thing. And I think that's even for us too. sitting here at the two fish podcast. As we talk through this, we can have our thoughts on this. We can work through scripture, but the most important thing ever said on this podcast is when we're reading the scripture. Yeah. Is the actual words of Jesus is the actual words of the Bible. There's going to be different interpretations of scripture. There's going to be different thoughts on scripture. There's going to be different opinions on scripture, but at the end of the day, if your opinion or your thoughts are, doesn't line up here with the scripture, then you're just selling a podcast. Then you're just selling a t-shirt at church. Then you're just selling the building and the worship service. You're not fulfilling the call that God has in your life to make disciples for the kingdom. As we finish this episode, these are totally taken out of context, but they're just a list from what we just read. Denying the master, bold and willful and doesn't tremble when they blaspheme the glorious one. Eyes full of adultery, unsatiable for sin, hearts trained for greed, loves the gain from wrongdoing, enticed by sensual passions of the flesh, and they promise freedom, but they themselves are enslaved. I think that's a good list as I kind of highlighted as we went here. Examples and, and characteristics of false prophets and teachers. Maybe it's not your pastor. But maybe it's something you're, someone you're listening to or someone you're watching on YouTube. You need to be able to discern 
Does this seem like it's for profit? Does this seem like it's for greed? Does this seem for personal gain? Are they honestly trying to help push the gospel? And that's all. That's always been our goal here on this show is as we're working through, we'd hope you sit down beside us here and work through the Bible. But our goal is not to have billions of dollars from this podcast. <laughs> First of all, that'll never happen. But that's not our goal. Our number one goal is the word of God is continue to push forward as we work together and sit down here that we would gain knowledge from scripture and be able to discern like we talked about earlier that youtube video that my wife showed us and said what do you guys think about this 21 seconds in red flag yeah to be able to walk through scripture together and to be able to discern the moments and the places and the times that we feel like hey you know what whether they intended to or not that sounds like a little false profit either. Nick, I think that's a, a great wrap up to this chapter. As you laid out those highlighted points, uh, those are things for us definitely to look for. And I, I think the challenge out of here is to become a slave to God, not a slave to sin. Thanks for tuning in this week. If you enjoyed this episode, hit those like and subscribe buttons. Also head over to twofishpodcast.com to join the rest of the Two Fish community and all of our social media platforms.